Hello, my name is Sofia Romero. I'm a rheumatologist from the Netherlands, from Leiden University Medical Center. And it is my pleasure to share with you uh, the update of the ASOS-Euler recommendations for the management of actual SPA. As one of the co-conveners of these recommendations, it is my pleasure to give you a short summary of them with a focus on what has changed compared to the previous version of the recommendations from 2016. We have a set of five overarching principles, which are unchanged compared to the previous recommendations. Then we have 15 recommendations. And recommendations deal with the total spectrum of the disease, actual SPA, including non-radiographic and radiographic actual SPA. And they deal with non-pharmacological and pharmacological management and, and treatment. And I would like to emphasize specifically in actual SPA, the importance of non-pharmacological treatment. I will now focus more on pharmacological treatment, but mostly because there, there is where we have changes compared to the previous version of the recommendations, but not because it's more important because non-pharmacological treatment is uh, essential in actual SPA. But as you heard, focusing in uh, pharmacological uh, treatment and particularly in uh, treatment with biological and targeted synthetic DMARDs is where we have the most of the changes. And as you have heard, targeted synthetic DMARDs are also added now to their momentarium of the treatment of actual SPA, and they're also included in the recommendations, and this happens for the first time. Before we start with dealing with the specific treatment, we make uh, criteria for the eligibility of patients for the treatment with biological or targeted synthetic DMARDs. And there we have already the first novelty. The criteria are uh, the presence of one of the factors that uh, predisposes to a higher response, prognostic factors of response, namely elevated CRP or the presence of inflammation on MRI or the presence of radiographic sacroiliitis, together with a failure to standard treatment, namely NSAIDs to all patients and at least usually at least two courses of NSAIDs over a period of two to four weeks. And if patients have peripheral involvement, then typically we also use uh, at least one glucocorticoid injection locally and one therapeutic trial with sulfasalazine. And then additionally, we identify patients who have high disease activity. And here is where we have the novelty. Now for the first time, we define those patients as patients who have an ASDAS of at least 2.1. ASDAS is a score, a disease activity score that we use to uh, assess disease activity, and that has shown throughout the last decades clear superiority compared to the other measurement measures that we have, for example, the BASDAI. And therefore, we have now chosen clearly for only uh, using the ASDAS to select patients for treatment, for the eligibility of treatment with targeted biological or targeted synthetic DMARDs. That also means that we need to use the ASDAS in our daily clinical practice so that we then can assess the eligibility of patients for treatment uh, with biologicals or TSD marks. So this is in what concerns the eligibility of patients for treatment, and this is the first big novelty. Then continuing, if patients fulfill criteria, then they can start a TNF inhibitor, an IL-17 inhibitor, or a JAK inhibitor. This is different to the previous version of the recommendations. First, because we have uh, JAK inhibitors that have been added as a, uh, a new drug class in actual SPA. The task force also felt it was important to emphasize that although the three drug classes can be started, current practice is to start with a TNF inhibitor or an IL-17 inhibitor. In the previous version of the recommendations, we had that cur current practice was to start with a TNF inhibitor. 
That means we are bringing IL-17 inhibitors a little bit more to the front and to a real first line together with TNF inhibitors. Reason for that is that we have more experience with these drugs and throughout the last years, we have more accumulated data on safety. On the other hand, from JAK inhibitors, we have data only from trials and uh, still only for a short period uh, in randomized controlled trials, which means we do not have data from observational studies and from daily clinical practice. And at the same time, we have data borrowed from RA, from the oral surveillance uh, trial, which shows that there should be some caution uh, with, specifically with some patients, namely patients who are older than 65 years old that have cardiovascular risk factors or high risk for malignancies or smoke or have smoked for a long uh, time. So, and because of this, the task force decided to put them at a, a lower priority level compared to TNF inhibitors and IL-17 inhibitors. Another novelty of these recommendations is the use of the extramusculoskeletal manifestations in the therapeutic choice. We know that we don't have had to had uh, trials in actual SPA. Well, now at ACR, we heard the results of the first had to had trial, but it's focusing on a structural outcome. So in terms of uh, efficacy, we do not really have double blind randomized control trial. And that means that the data that we have is we cannot really compare from different trials, but it do, what we can see, there does not seem to be a large difference across the compounds when we talk about actual involvement of the disease. However, if we talk about the extramusculoskeletal manifestations, we see uh, a different efficacy of drugs. Therefore, in patients who have recurrent uveitis or active IBD, it's the preference to give patients a monoclonal antibody against TNF, as these uh, drugs are more efficacious in patients either with recurrent uveitis or active IBD. Also in patients with active IBD, IL-17 inhibitors are contraindicated. On the other hand, in patients with uh, significant psoriasis, it's the recommendation to give preference to IL-17 inhibitors. Here again, we do not have head-to-head -head trials, but we could borrow data from PSA in which there is head-to-head -head data showing superiority of IL-17 inhibition compared to TNF inhibition in, in case of uh, skin outcomes. This together forms the recommendation uh, using extramusculoskeletal manifestations to guide uh, treatment choices. Then we assess the response to, to treatment, which we typically assess after at least 12 weeks of treatment. And now for the first time, we also recommend to assess response solely based on the ASDAS um, in terms of use of uh, disease activity instrument. And this, of course, together with the positive opinion of the rheumatologist to continue treatment because the rheumatologist sees benefit in it. But as I told you before, in what concerns the eligibility of patients for the treatment with biological and targeted synthetic DMARDs, we now do the same for the assessment of response and we only use the ASDAS. Here we are looking for an improvement in ASDAS of at least 1.1 points. And when we have response, uh, we see a positive response to treatment and we continue treatment. However, if we do not see response, then the task force added a new recommendation. And it's a, a new recommendation which uh, reflects the struggles we have in daily clinical practice. And we see the recommendation is that an absence of treatment response should prompt the re-evaluation of the diagnosis and also uh, consider the presence of comorbidities. And why is this? Because if we see that uh, 
patient is failing to treatment with a biological or targeted synthetic DMARDs, which are highly efficacious drugs, then we see in daily clinical practice that often patients do not really have the diagnosis. Actual SPA is a diagnosis is, is challenging, and therefore it's not strange that after a therapeutic course, if it's not working and we would expect that it would work, it's good to question ourselves and go back to the basis and check why do we think that a patient has a diagnosis and are we really sure, still sure about it, or can we reconsider it? Sometimes it has been some years after the diagnosis has been made and knowledge and insights have changed. So it's good to be open to this. Also, presence of comorbidities, as they can influence the assessment of disease activity and in turn also assess the uh, response. For example, presence of osteoarthritis or fibromyalgia, these are prevalent comorbidities and they can both lead to the presence of pain and therefore uh, lead to a higher perceived disease activity, which therefore will translate a lower response or a non-response to treatment. So it's good to be alert to them and take them into account in our assessment of uh, the response to treatment. If active actual SPA is confirmed, and if the patient has not responded to the first treatment with biological or targeted synthetic DMARDs, then the recommendation is to switch to another one, and that can be either another biological DMARD or a JAK inhibitor. Here we don't have a, a recommendation in terms of prioritization of drug class because we do not have much data to support one or the other choice, and therefore we uh, think all choices uh, can be viable. Again, we recommend to assess the treatment uh, response, and if patients are responding to treatment and actually at a certain moment reach a state of uh, sustained remission, then one can consider tapering the biological DMART. We do not have yet any recommendation on tapering of JAK inhibitors, so targeted synthetic DMARDs, because there, are, there is not yet uh, any data on that. And this is, in a nutshell, the uh, update of the 2022 update of the other SULA recommendations for the management of actual SPA. And I would like to emphasize that they cover the whole treatment spectrum of actual SPA, including non-radiographic and radiographic actual SPA, and again, including non-pharmacological and pharmacological treatment.